All right, welcome to the podcast today. Today we have the honor of uh, interviewing Marina Cortez. She is a venture capitalist based out of Toronto. Um, she went to school in South South Korea. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and uh, being here with us. And would you mind telling the audience a little bit about uh, your background and what kind of got you into venture capital uh, to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I, my name is Marina Cortez. I'm an alumni from Seoul National University in South Korea. I studied medicine over there. And what got me into venture capital was simply my law for startups. Um, I started, uh, you know, with pre-commercialized startups and eventually I made my way on the investment side. Uh, I worked on both uh, consulting on the buyer and sell side and also uh, stayed in, in pure venture capital. I worked for a different firm throughout my career. I worked um, as an AI investor as well. And uh, currently, I'm uh, an investor with Intrinsic Venture Capital in Calgary, Western Canada. Very cool. So um, you said like, you know, your love for startups kind of brought you into this. I I'm super curious though, right? Because if you studied medicine, like, what did that look like? Did you have experience with a startup at, at the beginning? Or like, how did you kind of make that pivot or find that, I don't know, that interest in startups? Um, so what really fascinated me was the, um, the way that, uh, you know, research can turn into a larger project and how do you make impact into human health? And I really wanted to have my biotech startup when I was younger and eventually I ended up on the investor side. Um, and I've worked uh, with pre-commercialized startup with professors that are trying to spin out their, their research, you know, out of the lab and how do I commercialize okay. this? How do I scale up? Um, and so that, for me, that really draws me into investment. And then I realized that, you know, when you're on the investor side, you also tend to make a bigger impact um, mm -hmm. because then you oversee a portfolio of startups. So I thought this is, you know, quite interesting to have uh, a greater impact on a greater scale more generally. Very cool. Yeah, and like you were mentioning, right, um, right, right now, there's a lot of different changes happening um, in venture capital, and of course, one of the biggest one of the biggest shifts I think I'm seeing today is just the the interest in AI in general. I guess the the last couple years, venture capital had a, a bit of a rough spot, um, you know, and and funding new companies and whatnot. What are what are you seeing as far as I guess a general landscape on venture capital and AI, uh, and what does that look like today? The venture capital landscape currently has been affected by the economy and um, and the AI landscape, you know, which is it's, it's affecting founders eventually down the road. Um, currently, there are a lot of deals that are really really interesting on the tech side. You know, you have tech that can help that can help the elderly. You, you have um, tech that can be helpful for uh, fintech payments. All of that is going to revolutionize the way that we function and um, the way that you the, you work on your day-to-day -day life, but it's also going to help on the professional sides whenever you go to your doctors, because the doctors will spend less time working on the paperwork because they are going to have some help with like AI tools, for example, right. uh, and spend more time with the patient. Um, now, the problem with venture capitals is that we, uh, we do, you know, face an economic downturn at the moment, and so it's very difficult to deploy capital, and there are uh, many levels that, you know, upstream from us, from our limited partners, uh, as well with, uh, you know, the economic outlook right now that is not really bright. Um, so this is uh, making it very difficult for founders to raise at the moment. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a bunch of founders that, you know, I'm friends with in, in my within my circle and whatnot. And I am hearing, I guess, a bit of a silver lining on the fact that, uh, you know, some of my friends who who recently raised just for regular startups, of course, really big struggle. And then uh, they said, you know, as they are other ones that have started shifting and, and starting these AI startups, there's a lot more 
perhaps interest. I'm not sure uh, what the rate of, of closing is necessarily, but there is a, a lot of interest there. From your end, um, you know, when you're kind of looking at some of these AI startups, there seems to be a lot right now that are coming across your table and, and those kind of deals. What factors are you looking for or are you considering um, to, to, you know, tell how viable one of these AI startups is? Yeah, that's a very good question. So when you invest in AI, you tend to be um, on the responsible investor side. I mean, I, I know that a lot of investors are being responsible, but what I look at is how responsible is the tech. And this is something that's very dear to me. You know, I'm very much into investing in founders that don't brand their company as AI, where they are boring AI, for example. I want to see really AI that is part of the core technology. Mm -hmm. And I also want to see AI that is um, explainable AI. Do they understand fully the model that they have built? Do they have um, a thorough understanding of the results that is being outputted by, uh, by the model? Also on the data set side, this is something that's very, very important on the, on the health side because I do invest in health quite extensively. And so when I look at um, AI in health, I want to make sure that the data set was trained um, across a number of patients that is representing uh, the whole population, not, you know, not just into one gender or not just all across one ethnicity. I want to make sure that, you know, the whole data set is representing um, the full scope of the, the full scope of the technology if, um, if this is targeting, for example, diagnostic and such, um, because it's well known that you will have different reactions, you know, based on certain genetic background. And this is very, very complicated on the health side because you do have a lot of factors that are coming up. Um, but, you know, generally the, uh, the optic here uh, is that I want to make sure that they thought about everything when they give the data to their AI models and that they understand what they're building. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I love that because when you look at like the, um, when you look at, uh, you know, drugs getting approval in the U.S., uh, and they go through that rigorous process, for example, they, they have to do their case studies and they have to do, um, you know, their, their clinical trials and whatnot on a very diverse group of people. And so I think like you're saying, um, with, with medical in particular, but then with a lot of other areas, if you have these AI models specifically trained on, you know, one data set that isn't inclusive of all of that, like, look, like the regulators are going to want it eventually anyway. So I, I think that's really, uh, forward thinking that you're already thinking about that and making sure that people are incorporating that. And it goes for medical, but it goes for a lot of other areas too, where you really want a very diverse uh, data set. Um, otherwise, your AI is going to be, you know, really one-sided and it's not going to be a very uh, flushed out solution. So that's very cool. Um, what are you seeing like as far as uh, the areas that you think AI is going to impact the most in the future? Obviously, healthcare, very big and you're very dialed into that. Are you seeing what are you seeing there or perhaps any other areas? Um, I think that AI will impact healthcare a lot because currently there, you know, there's definitely a lot of work to do in health and it's uh, very much paper-based. It has, you know, a lot of things to, to catch up on. Um, but space technology is also very much uh, in line to be impacted a lot by AI. Uh, we really? do have a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of data analytics that comes from the satellites and, uh, mm. you know, there's a lot of data that is being in touch right now. And so you need to make sense of those data. And so AI is very helpful for that. Um, I, I, I'm very much a, a fan of, uh, of space technology. Um, and I think that uh, climate as well is being impacted, uh, you know, the way that we look at climate, uh, climate change, like carbon capture and all that, all those models for ca carbon capture, it's being powered by AI. And so you, you want to see a little bit more of what's going to happen there. Um, 
this is quite interesting because I think this is a very genuine approach to look at carbon capture. And then what do I do with the carbon? Do I transform this? Like, how do I, do I store it? Mm -hmm. um, and they're very, very uh, interesting model now where they capture the carbon and then uh, they have a specific model to capture the, the carbon at very highly efficient rate. Then they recycle this into something else like byproduct for the cosmetic industry and all that. So this is quite cool. And we talk about a little bit about planetary health. I think this is a buzzword right now that's coming into venture capital. And mm -hmm. I think that AI will be very helpful in planetary health in, in general, uh, you know, alongside healthcare and space tech. That's super interesting. Yeah, to be honest, um, you know, I'm pretty dialed in with all the new stories and everything that's coming out in AI. And I have not, I don't believe I've seen a lot of articles or a lot of coverage on the topic of um, climate AI and also um, space anything related to there, right? Like I see fintech, obviously, or like legal or even medical. Um, those are really interesting. Have you seen any specific um, interesting startup concepts or use cases in those areas or perhaps any others that have uh, recently, you know, crossed your desk or, you know, or that have really stood out to you? In fintech specifically? Or I, I mean, I'd be really curious about, uh, about um, space, but, uh, yeah. you know, I guess any others either. Yeah, there's a very cool, uh, a very cool startup right now. I don't know if I should speak about the name of the startup, but because uh, I don't know, if, you know, if we can promote. Yeah, them, yeah, for but, sure. <laughs> um, there's a very cool startup right now in Hawaii. I think it's a very popular name that's looking at uh, surgical precision detection of objects uh, in mm. this linear. And you know, you probably know about space junk, right? And and there mm -hmm. are a lot of space junk in Earth, and, and yeah, this could be potential spread, you know, to, to commercial air travel and to uh, even satellites that will launch and, and, and all that. And so um, right now there is the uh, uh, space detection. Um, um, there is also some model to, to capture that, that, that junk that is outside in outer space. And um, you can see a model of AI that will kind of detect, you know, uh, where is the space junk? And then there's another startup that will come and, and it's going to be like a giant starfish to capture that, that space Oh, really? And recycle it. That so is this, cool. Is, this is really cool. Um, but I'm a big fan of SpaceX and, and it's been, you know, currently it's being used for more practical application. I mean, going to Mars and all that is quite interesting, but this is really on the long run. And in the future run, what you can see is, you know, how can I provide um, a model to help um, um, you know, for protection, defense, um, for wildfire, tsunami, for uh, everything that is uh, management of asset as well. So we can use AI to kind of uh, calculate the amount of asset that we have into a certain geographic location. Uh, so whether this is, you know, the amount of crop or uh, the amount, yeah, the amount of uh, natural resources like copper and all the things that could influence our exchange rates um, and, and the value of the money. So. Uh, great, great cool stuff that is happening in, in space tech. And in fintech as well, I really like fintech. I've invested into a company in fintech actually uh, that mm -hmm. uses AI. Anything okay. for authentication, um, you know, lack of password, uh, anything that can make your life a bit easier whenever you pay because companies want you to pay quick and fast and you don't want right. to change your mind. The less friction, so, the higher that, the higher likelihood that transaction will probably go through. Exactly. And they want it to be everywhere. Maybe you're going to be able to buy something from your car and be on Excel. Um, these are quite cool, te cool technology as well. They're coming out. That's very interesting. So recently, it's, it's been in the news a lot. Um, in fact, NVIDIA, I believe, it just kind of blipped past a trillion dollar uh, market cap. Um, I, yeah. I believe it might be a little bit lower than that. When you're kind yeah. of looking at the AI space right now, do you feel like 
do you, who do you think the big winners are? Is it going to be like the NVIDIA selling the shovels or is it like, do you think all of these software startups that are coming out right now, are they really going to be able to capitalize on this? Or I guess what is, what's your perspective on kind of the winners in that space? Wow, that's a good question. So, you know, when we had the economic downturn, uh, they really uh, took a, a very bad turn with the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, for example. Yeah. I thought I thought that Brex would come up and say Brex was a startup, you know, uh, a few years ago, and I thought they would come up and take over these loans and, and mm-hmm. you know grab a piece of the market and then eventually expand to consumer. That seemed to be like a logical, uh, you know, logical sort of event for me, but. Mm-hmm. Then they realized that, you know, they, they didn't think country that thought they would, um, yeah. and then other, you know, they had like other problems on the background as well, uh, for, for Silicon Valley Bank had to help with the, uh, with the issue, but you never know what's going to happen because if you have like a next event, what's going to, what's going to happen next, uh, what is going to be the next drama? Mm-hmm. And so this is where you see during a period of very difficult time, this is where you see the best startups that are showing up, um, what's up, what's created. Uh, you know, during one of the uh, recession period that we had. So I, I think that there, there could be uh, other events that would that would help, you know, the startups and become very popular. Now, the power of NVIDIA, it's the chip and, and <laughs> that they're selling. Um, I think that they do definitely have a lot of uh, ability to scale. Um, mm-hmm. And it really depends on, on their strategy. But it's right now, it's a good time for a startup to think a little bit about the uh, the next 10 years and see, mm-hmm. you know where the opportunity in the market right yeah i think that's so important right there's i've seen many many startups that are literally just building um on an api to open ai or something and uh without much of a, a strong moat it uh it's definitely something you want to look at the the 10 years down the line versus just like what's the this thing you can uh spin up today do you think so? A lot of people have accused, you know, what's happening right now in AI as being sort of like a bubble, right? What, where do you see AI compared to perhaps the last round, which was kind of like the Web3 um, or other kind of phases we've gone through in venture capital and startups? Where do I see this? Um, um, they're, they're, speaking of Web3, I think it's quite interesting because there are a lot of uh, development right now in the metaverse. And, mm-hmm. um, it's it's very volatile. You know, we don't really know if this is going to pick up or not beyond what it is right now. But I see that anything that is related to Web three and anything that is related to um, NFT and metaverse is going to be powered by the newest generation. By Gen Z is you know the most active buyer right now. But then you're going to have Gen Alpha that's going to be um, spending money within you know the next ten years, and mm-hmm. so. Um, and my daughter is a gen alpha, so I wonder, you know, when she's going to be 10 years old, like, what is, she, what is she going to buy? Like, you know, what right. is she going to like? So, um, it's, it's really driven by the consumer at the end. So, uh, be, uh, open-minded and, and see what they like. Um, I think that space is probably going to open a lot and healthcare and to be democratized a little bit more, uh, to open, you know, where it's for startups to provide help, uh, to your medical practitioner. Um, so we'll definitely, you know, see where this is leading. Um, fintech is never going to die. It's, I think it's going to be, um, you know, probably even more powered by Web3 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably a lot of, uh, a lot of things happening as well in fintech and, uh, and insurance tech as well. Okay. Very cool. So, um, in, in your experience and from what you're kind of seeing right now, what would you say for some of these, you know, fintech companies or any companies, any startup companies that are coming out right now, particularly in AI, what are some pitfalls that you're seeing 
um, some of these these startups are making. Um, you know, perhaps from the last run where we saw valuations tank a little bit, what are some pitfalls you're seeing and what are some ways that uh, founders can overcome those? The main problem that I see right now in the deal flow is that founders had overinflated valuation at very small revenue. And uh, the only advice that I can give to a founder right now is focus on generating cash um, mm -hmm. and focus on, on generating revenue. And this is going to help your valuation. Um, you know, grow the way that you want it to because the pandemic inflated the valuation quite a lot. And so these founders that came to us with like 35x of the revenue, 45x of the revenue, you had in Silicon Valley, you had deals with like $1 million revenue and the valuation was like $45 million. How are you supposed to fund this right now knowing that the economy is not, is not here to support you? And from a venture capital perspective, you also have your LPs that are holding on capital calls and you have that dormant capital, but you're not sure if you want to spend it because you don't really know if you're going to have more capital injected into your funds. So how can you fund a uh, startup and take you know, a lot of risk, you don't want to take risk. So that's why a lot of venture capitalists right now are evaluating startups at somewhere between the range of six to nine X of the revenue for, yeah. um, for you know, the valuation. Um, it really depends, you know, on, on the field and the valuation is across the board, uh, whether this is like medical device or space tech, if it's capital intensive or not, there are a lot of variables that come into the calculation, but the general rule of thumb right now it's six to nine X. If you don't have that, uh, that revenue to show that calculation, then uh, it's going to be difficult to to raise at a higher valuation. And if you need to have a down a down round, you know, to to finance your your startup, then um, consider it. Uh, in when it comes to to AI, um, right now there is a call by a lot of leaders. You know, uh, I remember that there were a letter, a letter that was signed uh, by Elon Musk and then a lot of folks as well in mm -hmm. AI, and so. It's very important to show that you are different, and it's very important important to show that you are um, you are responsible into what you're making. Seeing the greater picture is great, um, but it's showing that the market is responding to it, and showing that you understand thoroughly the technology that you're building. I think is going to help this decision a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, when you're looking at when you're looking at these startups, and particularly you know some of these AI startups that are coming up right now. What are the factors that are the most important to you in like your decision making process on saying, you know, like this looks like a very viable uh, business moving forward? Is it the team? Is it the tech? Is it what are what are like the, the key things you're looking at? Well, when it's early stage, the team is always going to be the deal breaker, right? That's going to be very important for us to understand who the CEO is and who the CTO is, especially for an AI startup. We want to know if the CTO has. Um, you know, proper training and proper experience in working with AI model and what is the vision of the C the CTO, where does he want to take the company with the tech? Um, you know, we're talking about models that are being trained on on a certain amount of data set. Mm -hmm. And the fear right now is that if you leave that model open in the wild, AI will become smarter and smarter. And so it will train itself, you know, eventually to uh, if you give it access to unlimited data sets. So you need to understand that thoroughly what that model is doing. And, and I think that when you talk to the team, you want to know exactly what they think and you want to know exactly uh, how they build their team, how they build their, uh, their tech and their, their strategy and their vision on the long term. Yeah. Um, you want to see also if they have an understanding of uh, responsible AI and, and, and playable AI. Um, now the product, the team is probably the, the biggest part of the decisions for early stage. Now the product is also, uh, you know, the 
where do you want to take the product next? Like, how do you, where do you want to take this company in the next five years? How are you mm-hmm. going to exit? We want to understand that. Our goal is to generate return for our own investors. So we want to make sure that on the tech side, the team side, everything is locked, but also on the financial side, are you generating revenue at the moment? If not, do you have an idea on how are you going to commercialize this? And, uh, you know, how will you generate revenue in the future? Now on the later stage, uh, I think it's a little bit of a different game. Mm-hmm. Um, because it tends to be very capital intensive, you know, server cost is very, very expensive when you have an AI company. And so right. um, the more you grow and the more you are uh, in need of capital. So um, focusing on the revenue, I think it's going to be very important that you show the ability of your, of your um, mm-hmm. and, and depend again, you know, which sector you're on, but uh, I think these are the problems. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're. When you're like looking at these, because, you know, you talk about the importance, especially with the economy, what it is today, the importance of these companies and, and you know, making revenue and, and whatnot. But at the same time, we ha- kind of have this huge AI wave right now. There's a ton of AI companies that are being built. A lot of these things are new and, and very revolutionary. When you're looking at some of these AI startups, how do you kind of, uh, I guess, what's the balance you find between like the actual revenue it's producing or per- perhaps just the the disruptive potential that a startup has, right? Like maybe there's this crazy area they're trying to disrupt uh, there's a lot of potential but you know they're just starting and the, and the revenue's not there yet how do you how do you kind of strike the balance right now particularly as we're seeing like all of these disruptive ai companies uh being built um that's a good question so actually a lot of that question resides in the fact that your fund has a thesis and so if your fund does not invest in pre-revenue pre-commercialized startup you're locked by by that is, you know, specifically. Um, but if you do have the ability to invest into both, um, if, you, if you've established your fund as a generalist fund and that you can talk to very early stage founders, pre-seed stage or seed stage or either in the early traction, uh, pre-revenue or generating some revenue, um, then definitely you can look at um, what is the bigger picture, you know, where do they want to take the company and and eventually, this is the CEO uh, that we bet on. We really put a lot of time on getting to know the CEO and um, his understanding of the strategy. Um, does he understand the market? Um, does he understand where the, uh, the, the need resides? You know, how do you solve the problem that you're facing? And we always tell startups, you know, explain to me what is the problem and how are you going to solve it with your technology? And we want to make sure that you can, you can uh, commercialize that solution. So you need to have a very good understanding of that equation. And this is going to be the probably 80% of discussion. Then after that, we talk about yeah, the tech and, and potentially some traction. If you have mm-hmm. great traction with corporation, like NVIDIA signed a contract and all that, this is great. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, how much money is that generating? We, we're also looking at, uh, you know, uh, how much profitability you can make from kind of this early traction and how much you can capitalize on. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, And also, uh, just to follow up on that, uh, you know, as we're seeing like a lot of these disruptive technologies come out, you you've spoken a lot to the fact that uh, it's important to make sure that these are, you know, responsible AI, and and we're really focusing on that. I think that's super critical. When you look at, um, and of course, I think, you know, self governing in a way, whether that's from the startup or from the investors, incredibly important. But there's a third player in this, and I would be curious to hear what your thoughts are on uh, what, where you see uh, regulation and AI going. Um, mm. If you see what, how you, what do you see that relationship looking like with companies and investors in the future? Um, this is this is a very interesting question. So, 
regulation will come from the government. And my question is, how much does the government understand about AI? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is not an easy question to answer because even for us who are investing in AI, um, even for us who have like a technical background and, and, and a specialization, uh, a scientific specialization, you know, such as, you know, health and AI or space tech and AI, it's very difficult for us to understand where is this going to go? How far is AI going to go? And what would regulation do? Um, you know, that's, that's also another question that the government would answer. Um, we, we had, you know, that type of issues in the past with privacy when the law, the privacy law changed in Europe where um, they installed, you know, all this regulation for privacy and the data has to stay in the country and then you cannot share privacy data and et cetera, which was fine. Um, but for AI, it's a much complex much, much more complex uh, issue. You need to understand where, how far can you go with it? And what can the government do? Is the government going to stop AI on the privacy level? Is the government going to stop AI on the amount of data set that is being fed for uh, training? Uh, you know, is, are you going to put limitation as to where AI can go? The problem of AI is that the more data you give it and the more, the smarter it gets. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is going to be very difficult for government to, to, to answer, uh, you know, on, on how do you, how do you prevent AI from going nuts and, um, you know, do you throw a bucket of water on it? You probably saw mm-hmm. that up in AI had a, a, a job, a job opening, um, and they, they were looking for somebody to, <laughs> to sum the server in case and give that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's a physical issue at the end, right? Yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not a software developer issue, but, um, it's, this is going to be very difficult. I think for a government body to understand what AI does and, and, and to put limitation on regulation on it. I think the regulation would be very, very high level, if any, and, you yeah. know, such as, you know, the data set must stay in the country and, and some server geographic location, um, probably some trade as well. The same way that they've implemented the trade, um, the trade programs and, uh, you know, the trade agreements for, uh, for the exchange of goods, um, probably they might be able to do the same thing for data to protect the asset because data has a value. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can probably think of, you know, this type of creative solution. Um, but enforcing responsible AI and explainable AI is going to be a very gray zone that they need to define, for example. So I think investors play a lot of role into showing a leadership here on how do you build a model that is responsible and that is explainable. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about being explainable and having, uh, you know, that transparency, I think that's going to be a big thing for consumers and regulators as well, and also corporations incorporating it, right? Like you don't want to put, you don't want to use an AI on your back end or for one of your products if it's not transparent and there's biases in the data and you're, you know, unable to identify where that's at. So I think that's really critical. Um, Kate, my one other question for you that I'm just super curious uh, your thoughts on. So we're seeing like OpenAI and we're seeing Google right now. And uh, there's a couple other big ones, right? We have these people with these huge data sets that are training um, and they've grabbed this data. Now they're going to Congress, like we saw Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI say, hey, we need to, to regulate this more. And I, I'm wondering what your perspective is on, will we see any more of these big AI models like OpenAI and Google, or are we seeing the end of that with, um, you know, them going and saying we should regulate this. And in addition, uh, you know, previously OpenAI, they were able to like, for example, they grabbed all of uh, Twitter and all of Reddit and incorporated into their model. Now Reddit says, you got to pay us. Stack Overflow says, you got to pay us. 
uh, Twitter cut it off. Um, are we kind of seeing the end of these massive AI models um, just because all of these companies realize their data is super valuable and regulation is coming in? Or do you think the it will become more uh, like a commodity and we'll see like many more of those? I think it will become more common to have the super model uh, showing up because data, it's something that you can put the price tag on. Mm -hmm. and, and you've seen many companies that are being bought over not because they are generating revenue, but because they had a certain amount of data set. Um, and, and the price tag for these companies were millions of dollars. So, you know, I don't, I don't see this being the end of it. Even if um, a, a model like uh, OpenAI is not generating like a lot of revenue at the moment, uh, although I don't know their financial situation, mm -hmm. data is the next oil. So you really, you know, I think that this is not going to stop the market into creating other models and into seeing an opportunity here to create something that's lucrative. Um, I, I think that OpenAI is just the beginning of what they want to release. Um, I'm actually quite curious to see where they want to take their technology. And I think that is going to be very, very exciting. When Google started, you know, many years ago, it was, it was a very uh, small thing that was starting to get popular with like the younger generation. And then now it's becoming part of your day-to-day -day life. You have your Gmail account, you have your calendar and everything. Um, and so you, you also have like data center. We can definitely see OpenAI evolving into a similar model for our younger generation. So I don't think this is going to be anything. There's going to be like a lot more, uh, and this is going to be quite interesting. So maybe it's not going to be affecting our life the way we see it, but maybe it's going to be more related to B2B. Um, you know, pre corporation to be more efficient. Um, God knows what they can come up with. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, we should definitely keep our eyes open and be to be excited. Very cool. Okay, so wrapping up, uh, just one last question I want to ask you. On the podcast, we have a lot of uh, investors uh, listening. We also have a lot of founders that are currently actively building startups. And I'm wondering if you have a piece of advice that you would give to um, AI startups and startup founders specifically right now that are building um, and looking for advice on raising venture capital for their startup. Yeah, absolutely. Well, eventually at the moment you want to be different and you want to show how different you are and how well you're solving a problem. Um, if you want to talk to me, let's talk about responsible and explainable AI. And uh, the general rule of thumb, I think, uh, to raise money with venture capital is to show that the market is paying into it and that there is a, a large potential to monetize what you're building. Um, so I would definitely, you know, consider how do you try to think, you know, how are you going to generate revenue and how are you going to turn that company into a 10x investment for your investors? That's a, that's great advice. Uh, the, the 10x, I think, is really important because at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to know what the investors are, are looking for and uh, what they're trying to return to their LPs. So I think that's Absolutely. really, uh, really powerful advice. Thank you so much, Marina, for being on the podcast with us today for your incredible insights and uh, views into AI. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.